problem that morning is that there wasn't enough. When they were eating on the hill, there wasn't enough. That's John's point. Jesus had 5,000 men before him, plus that their wives and their families, maybe 20, 25,000 people. And all he had in his hand was a boy's lunch. It's just five small barley loaves. It's a poor person's meal. And two small pickled fish. So it's like a fish sandwich. And he has 20 or 25,000 people in front of him. And the point that John is making, I think, again and again in John chapter 6, is that it seemed like there wasn't enough. When Jesus looked out and saw the multitude coming toward him, he said to the disciples, where will we buy food so all of these people can eat? Like it was his problem or something. And Philip said, eight months wages is not enough for everybody to have a bite. That's the problem on the hill that day. Then Jesus said, what do you have? And Andrew came up and said, well, we have here a boy, and he has five small loaves and two fish, but what is that among so many? In other words, it's not enough. Jesus then takes the food, and he blesses it. And after he blesses it, he multiplies it. And when he multiplies it, now he can give it away. And when the people eat, they leave it. And the way the story ends in John is everyone who was seated had as much as they wanted and when everyone had had enough. That's what I'd like you to see. The problem on the hill that day is that there wasn't enough. Eight months' wages will not be enough. And the story at the end of the day is that what wasn't enough turns out being enough when everybody had had enough. How did that happen? Well, it was when he took it and he blessed it and then he multiplied it and then he gave it away so that they could leave what was left over. Let me say that again, slow motion, so you can track the movement here. It's, it's what all stewards do. And we do it with power, we do it with money, we do it with our properties, with our talents, with our connections, with whatever we have. This is what stewards do. They take it. And then they bless it. Then they multiply it. Then they have something to give away so that they can leave it. Man, I hope I can get just that up into your minds this morning. This is not five different acts. It's more like five motions in one continuous act. It's what all stewards do. We have to take what God has given us. You talked about that last week. We have to find it, discover it. Someone has to tell it to us. We have to recognize it. Just because you didn't reach out and take it, it doesn't mean it wasn't a gift. Just because you worked hard for it doesn't mean it wasn't a gift. You understand, there are people in this world who work harder than you do. 
Really? Just to eat. Just to eat. So just because it happened to come at the end of a 70-hour week don't mean y'all earned it. There's a connection. But what you have is more than what you earned, so you took it. You claim it. You own it. You take responsibility for it. Then you got to bless it. Come on, you got to bless it. So that you can multiply it later on. Let me stay with me. If you take it and you multiply it without blessing it, that's greed. Thomas Aquinas called greed an inner hunger for more, an immoderate love for more. So if I have money, I need more money. If I'm successful, I need to be even more successful. I won one championship, I got to win another one. I've got one talent, I want to be even better. I got some followers, I want even more. If you take what you were given and you move straight to multiplying it, but you do not bless it first, you're moving directly into greed. That's right. Now, y'all are looking at me like there's something wrong with me, but that's right. And if you don't bless whatever you have, you will never be able to give what you want. If you do not bless what you already have, you won't be able to give what you want. Why? Because it will never be enough. To bless something is to live in that space between whatever God has provided and whatever it is you think you need. There's a gap. I'll say it in slow motion for some of you were wandering. To bless something is to live in that space between what you were given and what you say you need and to say in that space, this is enough. That's hard. There are two mindsets on the hill that day, Simon, I mean, uh, Andrew and Philip, they have one mindset. They start out by looking at the crowd. They see 20, 25,000 people, and they look at this little lunch, and they start thinking to themselves, this ain't going to work. See, they started with, with the need, and they worked their way back to what was provided and said, this ain't enough. They had a scarcity mindset. 
When you have a scarcity mindset, you think that there's a limited supply of whatever it is. And so when there's a limited supply, what that means is you could run out. Now, if you could run out, then what you need is certainty, security. You need assurance. You need a guarantee that you're not going to run out of whatever it is, whether food or money. So the only way to not run out is to pad what you get at the end so you have a nice fat margin at the end. So then you can say to yourself, I ain't never going to run out. The, The problem is that when you do that, you start thinking to yourself, if only I can get in abundance of what I think is going to run out, then I will be happy. You confuse happiness with an abundance of a deficiency. Therein lies the flaw. Because the moment you get what you said you needed, it ain't enough. You doubt that? Look at your cell phone. Y'all got an iPhone 5? What, are you on some limited income or something? You don't have breakneck speed? Now, what I'd like you to see is that the dissatisfaction with your iPhone 5 was built right into it on the day y'all bought it. See, Apple knew they weren't done. So when they sold you the five, they knew there was a six back here. And when they sold you the six, they knew there was a seven. So even though you have a five, and the five is doing on this day everything that it was doing on the first day, and it was a plenty back then. Today, (laughs) we don't settle for a five. You see, the dissatisfaction is built right into the product. So even when you think you get it, it ain't enough. Because it's a scarcity mentality. My mother's 91. She is in the nursing home in, I'm sorry, assisted care facility. And uh, this week, my son went to call on her, and he bought her a, uh, a Wendy Frosty. And uh, he gave it to her, and she started eating it and enjoying it. And she got halfway done, and she said, wow, I'm full. That's enough of that. He took it, put it to his side. Then she waited a second, and she said, wait a minute. What are you going to do with that? He said, Ma, he said, Grandma, I got this. Don't worry about it. He said, no, I'm going to worry about it. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to throw it away? He said, I got this. Don't worry about it. She said, you're going to throw it away. 
And before he could stop her, she reached out and grabbed that cup and started scarfing the rest of the ice cream down. She is 91, and she's like, boom, 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 shoving it in. Now, I want you to see this. Oh, did I mention she was born in 1926? She was three and a half years old when Black Tuesday, the Great Depression, came. So she remembers wearing tanning rubbers around her shoes to keep them on her feet. See, people who grow up in the scarcity of anything, listen closely, not just money. Some of you grew up with the scarcity of attention, and so you overcompensate by getting more and more and more popular because you think if I can just get popular enough, that will feed that insatiable appetite for Attention. That's a scarcity mindset. There's only so much attention to go around the room. And so whatever glory you're getting is glory I won't get. That's a scarcity mindset. Some of you have it with power. You grew up and too many things were not in your control. And so as you got older, you said, I am not going to let life just happen. I will control. You're overcompensating for a deficiency in power. And I'm telling you, there ain't enough power in the world to feed that animal because that's not an appetite. That's a disease. It's a disease. The ability to look at what God has provided and think to ourselves, this isn't enough. I need an upgrade. I need more. I need bigger. I need faster. I need something better than what I have. That's a disease. Because the minute you get it, you'll want even more. I'll prove it. Once there was a farmer, and he was filthy rich. Let me say that in slow motion. He was already rich before he had a big crop. So he was already rich, and then he had a huge crop that year, and he thought to himself, now what should I do? I don't really have room to store all of this food, so uh, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll biggie, build even bigger ones. Yeah, just so you can translate that. The barns back in those days were the modern equivalent of 401ks. They were your pension plan. When you moved into periods of famine, you always had a storehouse. So he said, I will tear down my plan and I will build an even bigger plan. And then I will say to myself, you have many good things stored up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. When I read this, I I used to wonder... If you're already rich and you just had a huge crop and your barns are already full, 
I know what you could do with the excess. Give it away. You could give it away. But he couldn't give it away. Because he's driven by scarcity. No, no. I'm not reading this into it. He'll tell you in the story what he's looking for. He starts the story by saying what he's looking for is the day when he can lean back and say, I have many good things stored up for many years. I can finally take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He has a number in his mind, and he's thinking when I finally hit that number, then I'm going to have enough. And so when he has a really huge crop, he can't give it away because he don't have enough. Let me say that differently. Even though he is rich, he still don't have enough. Even though his barns are full, he don't have enough. Even though the crop is bigger than it's ever been, he still don't have enough because he don't have the number. What he doesn't realize is when he hits the number, it ain't going to be enough. I'm glad I'm saying this to uh, 20, 25-year-olds right now. I mean, if you're over 25, you too. About 10 years ago, I was in Colorado with my family on vacation. I needed something to read. I stopped by and bought a book randomly. I don't know why. It's called The Number. <laughs> it's written by a guy that was editor of Esquire magazine. Then he was vice president at Land's End for a long time. And he talked about people who are trying to find the number. That is, when I have that number, I'll finally have enough to retire. You know what he said? He said there are three unassailable certainties on Wall Street. One is that everyone on Wall Street has a number. You don't have to look very far. Just mention it, poke them a little bit, and they'll all tell you what their number is. Number two, he said, is that every one of them are retiring a number and launching a new one every few years. He said, it seems to them uh, an event no more momentous than adjusting your necktie. The guy he was talking to started out with a million, then he went to five. And by the time he was mid-30s, it was 15. Now in his late 40s, it's north of 30. Now listen to what he says, because this is where your age comes in. He says, whatever you think your number is when you're 20, you will find it humorous when you're 30, and it will be downright funny by the time you're 50. That dude right, or is he right? Some of you say, I'm not old enough yet. Trust me, he's right. Whatever number you set, it will never be enough. Even though you got a lot, even though it's a bumper crop, even though your barns are full, it won't be enough. You'll simply move it. And that's the third thing he said. The third unassailable certainty on Wall Street is that even though everyone on Wall Street can tell you what that number is, and they will tell you that it equals freedom, when they hit the number, they never walk away. Writes the man. What on earth would these people do with freedom anyway? (laughs) 
He said, all they do is make money in golf. And it'd drive them crazy if all they did was golf. He's right, ain't he? After a while, this really isn't about money. It's about a score. It's about dignity. It's about worth. And that's where it's a disease. Now, oddly enough, the cure for scarcity is not abundance. It's blessing. The way you break the scarcity mindset is to bless what you already have. One more time. If I do not bless what I have, I will never have enough. Because the problem is not a lack of anything. The problem is a mindset. And there's not enough of whatever it is I'm craving to turn that mindset around. The only thing that'll flip it is to get into a mindset of blessing. So, when Jesus is handed the lunch, it is not enough. And he takes a fish sandwich and he holds it up to the heavens and he says what every rabbi would have said, we thank thee, O God, king of the universe who bringeth forth bread from the earth. And if I got this right, the miracle occurred when he started to multiply. I think that's what happened. I don't think anybody knew something was happening while he was blessing. It still looked like a fish sandwich. But what they know was when he brought it down from the blessing and he started to give it away, somehow or another, stuff just showed up. He blesses what is not enough and it becomes enough. The capacity to stand in the gap between what God has given me and what I think I need and to say this is enough. The miracle, the profit, the blessing, the goods, the success, everything that I want comes later. It comes later. I can't stress this enough. Some of us this morning, some of us are just thinking, if I just had... An iPhone 7 or life's equivalent of an iPhone 7, then I would be able to bless it. No, no, let's get it straight. You bless and then multiply. You do not multiply and then bless. You don't wait until you've had a filling and then you say, okay, that's good. I'm happy. You learn to be happy when it ain't enough. And then it will be enough. What does it mean to bless? What does it mean to give thanks? Thanks. 
Thanks is not a phrase at the end of a gift. Thanks is not just something we say as a receipt for what somebody gave us. Thanks is a way of being in the world. Thanks is a posture. Thanks is a life, a mind of humility. A mind of thanks believes that what I was given is exactly what God wants me to have. Thanks does not divide life into two parts, that which I like and that which I don't like. Because if we do that, we miss half of our life. Thanks says, whatever is happening to me, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, seems good or bad, it has come from the hand of God. And even though it looks like it's not going to feed a multitude, it is what God has given me on this day. And thanks says, God has provided it, and I will live within its means. I will live within the constraint of the thing I was provided. See, if you don't do that, you'll cover the gap. You'll cover the gap with debt. So by the time you're 30 or 40, if you're the average American, you'll have $10,000 on your credit card. Some of you maybe have that now. You're trying to, you're trying to buy the gap. By the time, I think I said this two weeks ago, by the time you die, the average American will have spent $600,000 on interest alone. You ain't even bought anything. You're just paying for the money when you cover the gap. Don't mean all debt is bad, but it means all debt mortgages the future. So you have to manage it. You cannot assume undisciplined amounts of debt. Why can't you do that? Because the moment you decide to go into debt, there is something you can't do in the future that you want to do. And you won't be able to do it. Because you may have noticed the bill will come due and that comes off the top. That's why if you don't bless what you have, you can't Give what you want because all of it is gone to pay the debt. I believe that our intentions are still to give. But the decisions were made earlier to borrow. And there are consequences for that. So, To bless what we have been given is to say what I have has come from God. And I will live humbly within the constraints of what I have. 
and an odd thing happens. It feels to us like we're being handcuffed and tied. But listen, if we are willing to do that, it opens up a door of liberty and freedom. We can make decisions later on because we're, we have options now. We have options that we didn't have when we lived irresponsibly. So this morning, what I'm asking you to do is to take whatever you were given, not what you want, but what you were given, what you have right now. If it's a talent and you want more, just say, the one thing I have is the only thing I know to do, and this is enough. Now, I know that's hard if the thing you were given isn't popular and it doesn't get a lot of followers. It must be really hard. But if, 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 if all you can do is just to say, it's all that I've been given, and I will stay within the constraints, I will work it like I should, but I will not envy or covet more. Some of us, that has to do with our income. I will simply scale back what I'm living on so it matches what God has provided. For some of us, it has to do with power. We keep seeking status and promotions and more success within our companies. And if we just said what God has already given me on this day is enough. This is enough, because if it's not, there will never be enough, ever. So it begins by blessing. Imagine the boy. Imagine the boy. He shows up one day with a fish sandwich and hands it to Jesus. Jesus, uh, he does what Jesus does. <laughs> it wasn't magic, but he, God takes this and he multiplies it. And, and imagine the boy, after he hands the lunch to Jesus, he just steps back and he watches. And he thinks to himself, this is not enough. And then he sees what Jesus does with it. And when he sees it, his mind flips, and he thinks, you know what? He can do anything. Okay, hold that thought. Fast forward 15 to 20 years. The boy is now 32, 35 years old. He's married. He's got a couple kids. He comes home from work on a Friday, and the paycheck is really skimpy that day. And as he shows it to his wife, she starts to panic. She says, what? This is all we got? Haven't you seen the needs? Don't you know what the bills are? We can't make ends meet if you keep coming home with a check like this. Boy remembers what happened 15 years ago. And he thinks to himself, one would you rather be? The boy? Or his family? Because some of us are a family. Some of us are a family. We start with the need and we look at what God has provided and we say, it ain't enough. But the boy looks at what God has provided and says to himself, I'll bet you God is up to something. 
there is tremendous freedom in the life of a student. Would you bow your heads? Start with what God has given you, your talent, skill, maybe your salary or your income, your retirement. (laughs) Maybe it's your position in the company. It's an accomplishment that you have already accomplished. Whatever God has given you, could you just take a moment and do inventory? And in your mind, point to them, point to it. And would you say in your mind, Father, I give you thanks. This is enough. Don't ask him for anything. Not today. Just say this is enough. Even if there's a gap, this is enough. Now, if you look to the screen, I've put together something of a litany that will help us say that in different words as we get ready to come to the table today to receive what is the Eucharist or the blessing, the blessing. I want us to come with a prayerful uh, and a grateful heart. Let's do this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I want. He helps me lie down in lush meadows. He finds me quiet places to drink from. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right direction. He orders my steps. Even when I go through dark valleys, I'm not afraid, for he makes me feel secure. He forgives my sins, everyone. He heals my diseases even before I ask. He redeems me from hell. He saves my life. He crowns me with love and mercy. He wraps me in goodness. He renews my strength. He lifts up my head before my enemies. Surely, his goodness and his mercy will follow me every day until I am back in the house of God forever.